0: We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: Why not? I like men like that. Men who give me pleasure. I've never had feelings like this. Get them into some sort of order. If you have to talk, remember to ask lots of work questions. If you want more than a yes or no answer, we'll just have an exam. we just take them to the lavatory and have some with them. It must be weird not having anybody come on you. back hey Sarah hey Mary I'm so happy to be back how are you oh I'm happy too I'm well thank you how are you I am good thank you I'm so excited to record it's been so long I know I don't know how so much time has passed when was the last time we recorded I honestly don't even remember I I don't know it was like a different year or something it was a long time ago it was like
0: early early this year I feel like Oh, well, happy midsummer happy midsummer to you and uh, welcome back everyone to projections podcast Woo! you guys voted in the poll and you decided on erotic cinema and we're gonna give you what you want yeah you fucking pervert <laughs> <laughs> sarah what did you think of the trailers
1: um they're so they're my favorite they're my favourite uh-huh. of all. I mean, you know, like, I love them all. Like, I really love the fashion films one because I love mm. that song um and I listened to that song like every day that year because like you reminded me of it but Mm -hmm. these trailers are just like I love that we can post not safe for work content on Twitter Mm -hmm. like it's I just I actually didn't think about like the possibilities and now we're going to be able to like post different stills on Twitter than we can on Instagram it's going to be really exciting yeah Um, but yeah the trailers are just so beautiful Mary so beautiful your best work
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. I always anticipate your intros because they're all masterpieces. So. Oh,
1: thank you. I actually have to finish making it, um, but I've chosen all of the pieces and I know what song. But I'm <sighs> not gonna, I'm not gonna give it away. I, mean, <gasps> I because, can't wait. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you also you had some really good timings in the <laughs> trailers. Uh, they were very, very precise to the music, and I really, really liked that.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. I mean, I feel like we may be gave a bit of a foreshadowing in our previous series where sometimes when we did these like evening recordings like towards the end of the recording we got a little raunchy
1: it's true and I'm glad that we've come back to the evening recording Mm -hmm. like I think it's I think it's creatively good for us to do evening recordings um definitely um oh I told you I had oh (laughs) I forgot I told you I had another bodily fluid story. Um, oh, God. Which is like,
0: <laughs> do tell.
1: It's quite disgusting. So as you know, I had surgery mm-hmm. um, quite recently uh, for endometriosis or like to discover endometriosis and then to remove it once I discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I like apparently don't do very well on... Um, on either anesthetic or morphine i'm not totally sure because i woke up and like immediately started complaining about the pain and i could hear them kind of clicking up like my the paint the morphine to like stop me not stop me like like shouting basically oh
0: my god and then
1: I got taken back to my room and I had like lower and lower and lower blood pressure so like my eyes were like rolling back in my head and I was just like it was very very unwell um then they brought me a meal and I couldn't really eat it but like I tried and then I like threw up everywhere (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so they were like (laughs) okay you can stay here and like but before I like before like Uh, they decided that I could stay there they were like trying to get me to like wee because they don't Uh let you go home until you have (laughs) and so I was like so like she helped me to the toilet and I sat there and have you ever experienced like trying to wee after like a surgery (laughs) like I don't know if it's like because I had had (laughs) surgery or because I had surgery like in you know like my fallopian tubes and you know near my bladder and all of these places so just like sat there and sat there and like it wasn't happening Uh and so like the nurse went away and left me to it and when she came back I was crying on the toilet oh no oh Sarah she was like don't worry like you can stay here tonight and I was like I can't (laughs) just like bitterly like shedding tears (laughs) oh bless you oh my gosh yeah I know so that's um yeah I don't know I thought you would enjoy it as a another bodily fluid story so apparently (sighs) like it really emotionally affected me not to be able to wee (laughs) like I was just like just felt like broken from like the waist down
0: but the surgery was a success
1: surgery was well it's Remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, probably some of our listeners have endometriosis or like Mm -hmm. maybe they're in the process. I mean, the week that I got my surgery, like suddenly, like all of the newspapers were talking about endometriosis and various other like men's like sort of menstrual reproductive problems, Mm -hmm. because there's a sort of thing about women having been ignored um, or like it takes a long time to diagnose Mm. that kind of stuff. And for me, like, I first went to hospital with severe period pains 12 years ago. Wow. Oh my God. It's taken a long time to, like, even be told that, like, this is the way to diagnose it. So, that's staggering. It is pretty bad, huh?
0: Yeah, it
1: is. Like, I obviously, like, I think they've, I don't know, I think it hasn't always had a lot of research, and so maybe it's just, like, a case of doctors not really knowing. Sure. But, yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of not had research, because it's, like, I don't know, it's just sort of been considered, like, not, it's just, I don't know, I think just there's an assumption that, like, pe- like pain is just your baseline if you're a woman. Wow, yeah. Um. And just anything that happens to you is, like, normal. So so yeah so infuriating isn't it I know it's really it, it did make me a little bit annoyed but I'm also happy to have a diagnosis yeah absolutely. even if it's like a bit late in life like and so but yeah I won't really know much about like how much damage it did how bad it was and where they've got it out and where they haven't um okay. because I was off my face when the surgeon came to talk to me and so I don't know what he said <sighs> But I, I do know that I have endometriosis because I asked the nurses and the doctor and then another nurse and they were like, Yes, 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 you've got endometriosis. And okay. I was like it was confirmed I told you so <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. um so yeah, that's basically that's like the big thing that's happened to me since we last recorded is that I finally discovered endometriosis. Gosh. Well, yeah. no,
0: it, I mean the only way is up from here because now you know and you know what to do to manage and to recover and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. What about you? What's going? What's been going on with the, in the world of Mary Wild? It's been all right. I've been uh, staying on
0: the straight and narrow, trying to avoid disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I've been uh, I've been okay. I've been okay. I went to New York. I met my beautiful baby niece out
1: there. Yeah. You're, oh, she's so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. She's oh amazing.
0: Like truly exquisite baby. I am so proud to be that kid's auntie. I would walk over hot coals for her.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Oh my God.
0: I swear. I mean, I'm it, I'm so content that, you know, there's a baby in our family.
1: I, I know exactly how you feel. I feel like me and my sister are both like... Hoping the other one has a baby.
0: <laughs> it's a game of chicken. Yeah, it is basically.
1: But you know, I may have, I may have just like opted out um, biologically through endometriosis, so it might actually just be up to her. But um, we'll see. We'll see who we'll see who loses. You <laughs> who draws know. the short straw of motherhood <laughs> over auntiehood?
0: Yeah, I'm already like planning everything to do with this kid like I want to take her to the movies I want to get her ears pierced
1: oh my god you can do her film education that's such like an honor to be able to do that for a kid oh my god I'd be thrilled
0: honestly and the thing is I feel like she's already like maybe curious about moving image because I played her little clips on my phone of Cinderella like she was super interested in that i had to do it secretly because my sister doesn't allow her screen time
1: <laughs> well so she can't watch films at all no whoa i was like brought up by like i <laughs> i like i feel like the first thing i learned how to do was like put like videos in the vhs player and press play and then rewind them and watch them again yeah like, i feel like i was like in some part brought up by films yeah i'm really i'm really glad you told them to her also like this idea that you know like kids won't get stuff from the past Mm. is like is so disproven in disney totally like those films are just like magical and gorgeous no matter like how old they are yeah and i feel like
0: she connected the images with the songs because afterwards when it was like her nap time um sometimes she was like too like hyped up to sleep, but if I held her in my arms and sang Cinderella songs to her, it like did it every time. She felt very calm, and then she just fell asleep.
1: Oh, that's so cute! Oh it's my so God. cute.
0: Like I truly love that kid. Like I feel like we're cosmically bonded. There's something very special about her, you know. One hundred
1: percent, I believe you. Before we get started, yeah, um, since we haven't seen each other for ages um what have you been what have you seen film wise let's do some like yeah What, what I feel like they've, I've seen so many films since I last spoke to you oh and I've been disappointed by a lot of them
0: yeah same so I saw have you seen vortex
1: yeah what did you think <laughs> of it it's just a slog I thought
0: yeah
1: um I I don't know like I I'm not actually the biggest gasping is it no A or no
0: no way.
1: I'm not the biggest Gaspar Noé fan. I love Climax. Mm. But like there's something. I don't know. I thought this film is, I thought actually Vortex was more mature
0: mm-hmm. than
1: a lot of his work, but some of his like, like love and um, Enter, the, enter void. the Void. I'm just like, it. F- like they're visually super beautiful, but like story wise and like writing wise, it's like watching like something the 15 year old boy mm. wrote. Mm um and that like it's it like really takes me out of it and i can't like i can't get involved mm. with his characters so but vortex and i thought it thought was like a bit more natural i think it mm-hmm. was like more improvised mm. um so like maybe that's better that's why it was better cuz he didn't write it yeah but i don't know it was just like it was so long and so bleak like i don't know what did you think about um. Well, I have a bit of a different
0: relationship with that director. I, I I'm a bit of a fan girl mm-hmm. of his. Did I tell you that I saw him at the VFI?
1: Oh, doing? Uh, did he do the intro?
0: Yeah, intro and Q and A for something. Yeah. It was like that mixtape screening, which was basically like a compilation of his like short films and music videos and oh, cool and pornos because you know he directs pornos.
1: I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked the screening. I thought it was lots of fun, and I thought it was kind of hilarious. And this the Q and A was good too. I thought, but um, but Vortex, I found, I was really afraid of of watching it. Like mm-hmm. it was the one that scared me the most. Weirdly enough, out of all of his previous ones, like with with every new release he has, I'm like always like gagging to see at the cinema. But with Vortex, I was like dreading it. I was like, oh, I I, I just wanted to avoid it so much because it really scared me. And sure enough, when I went to see it, I thought it was brutal and, like, hardcore. I found it more disturbing than, like, irreversible, (laughs) to be honest.
1: Wow, interesting.
0: But then I found it aesthetically very ugly and, like, kind of gross and Mm off-putting, whereas all his other films to me are, like, candy. Yeah. I just want to, like... Overindulge on everything, but um, but I still think it's worth a watch. Like I still think it's worth a watch in the context of maybe his other films because there's a lot of self references. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that I thought it was a tough watch.
1: Yeah, it was a tough watch. Definitely mm-hmm. a little. I don't know. I'm getting starting to. I think I'm just starting to lose my patience a little bit at watching films. Like maybe it's like my age or like. I'm not really quite sure. I just sometimes would like to just go and see a snappy 90 minutes, like, ideally. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I can understand why it was, like, long and drawn out. And I was also, and I was also like, of course, there has to also be a drug addict. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, it's not, like, bleak enough on its own. But I thought that, that guy was really good, actually. Yeah, he was good. He was really good. Like, he had, like, a lot of more, kind of, a lot of, like, humanity. Yeah, one of my least... I hated drug addicts in films. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he was the one of the more palatable junkies. more Yeah,
1: he's the more the more palatable. He can stay.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, what so else? what? What else have you seen? What? Do, what did you? You saw Worst Person in the World as well.
1: I saw Worst Person in the World. I think that if I'd seen it like back in the film All film fast. festival, then I probably would have liked it more. Yeah, but after like. I, I, can't, I think I have started to just have a real problem with like film marketing. Mm-hmm. Like everything has to be like something. It has to be like the next something or like the something <laughs> from a different country. This was like what the Norwegian flea bag or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And I don't know. I was just like, it didn't just didn't do anything for me. I thought mm-hmm. it was fine. Yeah. yeah.
0: To be honest, I prefer talking about it than... The experience of having seen it because I did um, like a little interview with Emily Russo of Asphalt Magazine where we talked about it and I enjoyed that. I felt like she clarified some things about it that I hadn't thought of.
1: Um, how about men?
0: Yes, I saw that. Um,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
0: I, I like Alex Garland a lot, mm-hmm. but I felt this was not his best film.
1: A minor work. Um, yeah yeah what did yeah. you think i was just i was not impressed yeah um i just more that like i'm just fine i'm fine i don't know like i was fine with kind of how experimental it was but i just thought that there wasn't any like the the characterization of jesse buckley's character was oh, yeah. just like she wasn't like a real person mm-hmm. and she was just really like poorly drawn um Mm. and I started to get annoyed at the point where she was like singing in that tunnel Mm. I was just like this is an annoying woman and I don't care what happens to her (laughs) Uh uh-huh I don't know I've had some really bad luck with films um everything everywhere all at once in no possible universe would I enjoy that film no
0: (laughs) (laughs) well played yeah same
1: I thought that that was good and then I saw Peter Bradshaw's uh, review which was everything everywhere all at once nothing nowhere for a lot for a large amount of time or for like mm. a long for a, I don't know I can't remember what it was but it was like very good as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed by that one. Yeah. I actually we I went uh with a friend to like a PR screening that she got invited to. Okay. Um and we left about an hour in. Mm. because we were just like i can't sit through this anymore we're just like bitching about films here (laughs) just i don't know like there's just and then someone said like you know i saw like tweets that were like comparing that film to like 2001 a space odyssey and like things like that and i was just like what the fuck is going on like with like and it was a tweet it wasn't even like marketing so like i didn't i just think like there's no honest like film criticism anymore everything's just like a paid advert
0: yeah there's a lot of spawn con out
1: there yes there is enough that you can't mm. trust anyone um emphasis being on the con <laughs> exactly spun that's what I thought you meant and then I was like no she does she means content <laughs> but that's why it's that's, maybe that's why they call it content because <gasps> mm-hmm. it's all a lie apart from ours which is yeah. art <laughs> yeah <we're, laughs>
0: you're only getting authentic sincere reactions here
1: exactly like we will never ever lie about a film never like never no matter what we're getting no matter i got my what hand like... on a
0: stack of bibles over here <laughs>
1: yeah same um did you see the Northmen?
0: yeah i did <laughs> I'm not impressed do
1: you know what i actually like i was having so much fun mm. until a certain point like I, I sort of loved it and then but i just think like and spoilers here i'm gonna spoil it mm. like not enough incest
0: Agreed.
1: Right, I just okay. So here's my here's my like here's my proposal and my my thesis of what went wrong. Mm. So apparently, like it was like a huge budget, like something like ninety million or something. Okay. And um, but like it was going to be sixty million, and then he got like an extra thirty because of the pandemic or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just too much money. Oh. And like that's and maybe it was like had a more daring. Because, like, for me, it would have been perfect mm. if he'd just, like, killed the kid and the husband, like, fucked his mother, like, forced her into, a, like, a you know, like, a, the disgusting, like, Oedipal fantasy that, like, the entire <laughs> film would be building up to from the beginning. Yeah. And then, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy, like, retreats into the woods and becomes a witch, setting the scene for the sequel.
0: Wow.
1: Okay. Like, I was just, yeah. Like, I just sort it chickened out.
0: I do agree strongly with you. It was really only until that revelation that I suddenly, like, became interested. I was like, ah, okay. Mm. Now, here's a film I can get on board with. <laughs> but then I felt like that was so underplayed. Yeah. It's a cop-out.
1: It is a cop-out.
0: Yeah. But I did like also the, the Valkyrie sequences. Same. They're they were amazing. great, and I, like they were just little moments, fleeting moments, and I thought they could have been used better. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It was. Um.
0: What have you seen? Benediction. No. Oh, that's that's a masterpiece. Ooh, what's it about? It's about the poet Siegfried Sassoon. Mm-hmm. He fought in World War One and had huge reservations about the war and everything, and he. His poems sort of grew out of his experience of being in war, I, I believe. And um, it's the guy Terrence Davis who directed it. I've seen a few films by him. This is definitely his best.
1: Oh, okay. I will put it on the list. I yeah. like it's like passed me by.
0: Something mm. good out there, a little gem among the duds.
1: Oh God, we're having. A, I feel like we're having a bad year or a bad few years.
0: Yeah, it's been challenging to find some real. Some real good titles, mind you. I'm really hoping that Aronofsky's film and the the new Ari Aster film, uh, oh, yeah. the Whale and Disappointment Boulevard, respectively, that they'll be premiering at Venice this year.
1: Okay, that was maybe save it. That would be that would be nice.
0: They would be really good. Yeah, screenings to look forward to.
1: I also have quite high hopes for Olivia Wilde's new film. Because oh, I like wor- Booksmart. Don't worry, darling. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I feel like it could be quite good. Yeah, um, good cast. Good cast. Um. Good so concept. there's still hope for us. There's Although I have to say, I did have a great time at Top Gun, the new Top Gun. Ah, okay. And like, I only watched the original like about a month ago. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. I remember when we did the, the Scientology episode. Mm-hmm. Um. And like I was like I don't really you know I don't really get Tom Cruise like he's not really my generation like mm-hmm. he was a little you know so he was just doing like Mission Impossible by the time I was like a teenager
0: mm-hmm. I didn't
1: you know I didn't really get it. Oh my god I totally understand Tom Cruise now mm-hmm. he's yeah. legend yeah he's amazing and I know yeah. that I'm just like saying something that everybody knows but he's <laughs> incredible like what a movie star he's totally. so mysterious
0: yeah
1: and like brilliant and just and I loved Top Gun I thought it was like the gayest thing I'd ever seen
0: yeah
1: and I really loved the new one as well like it was exactly it was just everything I wanted it was amazing and now like now months like years later I'm just like maybe Scientology is a good idea (laughs) if it can make me as good as Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Moss (laughs) oh my god yeah I mean it's
0: doing wonders for them you know (laughs) it really
1: is like I don't know maybe we should go and check out um, Mass at the Catholic Church as well
0: yeah we need to do that we need to report like from mass
1: i think so i feel like i i feel like to get to the next the next level i need to join something Mm -hmm. whether it's a religion or maybe the masons (laughs) (laughs)
0: just don't join an mlm please
1: just not an mlm no of course not i want like something kind of ancient
0: okay okay
1: so probably not scientology then but like you know something a bit older yeah Something, something you know with a track record I can point to people and be. So, but the thing, yeah, the thing is that Tom Cruise is the is like the standard for Scientology. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, Tom Cruise is a bona fide film star. I mean, I totally agree with you. The guy is pure enigma and synogenic genius.
1: Exactly, like in an era of like oversharing he's yeah it's like I can totally see why he's having a comeback this year of all years yes because we need people like him because it's gone too far
0: yeah we need people to be a bit out of reach and a question mark exactly and I love that he's such a huge and passionate advocate for going to the cinema
1: yes he is you're totally right right yeah 100% so to
0: me like I don't know. That's wonderful. Like, I remember when... I think it must have been around last year, this time, when slowly, like, cinemas were opening up again. And he came over to the IMAX on the South Bank.
1: <laughs>
0: Do you remember that? And he was wearing a mask and he went to see... I think it was, like, Christopher Nolan's tenant.
1: Oh, my God. That's so cool.
0: He was just, like, a punter. But he, like live streamed it because he was like guys like i'm at the cinema you need to come back to the cinema i thought it was such a cool move
1: that's so cool i had no yeah. idea that he did that now i love him even more i know just like new tom cruise fan over here <laughs> like just, <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be, like, be i keep like going out to my friends and being like have you had tom cruise <laughs> like <laughs> he's amazing <laughs> like i don't know yeah i'm completely head over heels it's oh, brilliant yeah he is well, you know his—it's
0: his birthday soon. He's a Cancerian king too.
1: Oh my god, I didn't know that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing. Oh, so cool. I know. Tom, come on the pod. <gasps> Should we ask? I bet he would. I bet he would. Oh, amazing. Once it's he like... finds out
0: how much we love Eyes Wide Shut, yes, will be here.
1: <gasps> oh my god, we could—we can talk about Eyes Wide Shut again. One hundred percent. Um, I heard that like someone said, what, did you hit the read that I think that Simon Pegg said about him where he like, it, it, his superpower is that he never apologizes for anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if like, you're like, you can like prove that he did something wrong. He's like, ah, oh. <laughs> like instead of saying sorry, he's like, oh, right.
0: <laughs> Which I think
1: is kind of iconic a little bit. Yeah. It's yeah. like Kate, it's like Kate Mossian. Yes. Um, what did she say? Never complain, never explain. It's kind of like,
0: that. yeah. Yeah, from the school of Greta Garbo.
1: Yes, exactly. True movie star. Yep.
0: Uh (laughs) Such a fan.
1: I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I just thought I'd let you know that now I'm, I'm on board the Tom Cruise bus with you. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, what did you think when Erotic Cinema won the poll?
1: I just knew it was time to win the poll because it's been on the poll a few times yeah and to be completely honest I've been a little bit surprised that it hasn't won before Mm -hmm. um because I don't know yeah like I don't don't know what made now the perfect time for it Mm -hmm. like I think everyone was tired of being highbrow Mm. I'm not sure I'm not sure what happened but yeah it was just it was so clear from day one that that was going to be the winner
0: yeah I mean I was also glad and I thought that you know maybe this is our time to go viral guys there's a lot of horny people out there
1: also it coincides with karina longworth's new series which is actually almost over i think it might be over now um so she's done erotic 80s which has been really nice to listen to i've missed karina love karina yeah she's amazing come on the pod
0: (laughs) yes come on the pod
1: yeah, I guess it's just like a really horny year. Yeah. Me. I'm not really quite sure why. I heard someone what was someone talking about? I think it was My Favourite Murder or something, and they were talking about the staircase, which I haven't mm-hmm. watched yet. And apparently like there's like an ass eating scene. Okay. Um, Colin Firth on Tony Tony Colette. Mm, um and okay. like and then one of like the hosts was like, ass eating's really come into its own this year. <laughs>
0: Well, I can possibly comment, Sarah? <laughs> 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 um, Damn, it's just the zeitgeist. It's, it's just the, the zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. And you know, who am I to argue with the zeitgeist?
1: No, one hundred percent. We're in service to the zeitgeist. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, it's funny because actually, I'm. I was like watching uh, Sex and the City recently, mm-hmm. and uh, there the I came old across one. yeah. Okay. And I came across that one episode where Miranda feels com- conflicted about a guy doing that to her. You know, the guy that she runs marathons with. Yeah. I
1: and I'm like, that episode. Why are you guys so uptight? My God, like, just listen up. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite uptight about a lot of things. They were. They
0: were. They really were. Samantha was the only one who kept yeah. her cool about everything.
1: I think it's quite nice, though, because you saw them kind of, like, blossom through the series. That's true. So, like, that's kind of, like, quite a nice realistic thing. Because I remember, like, in some of the early episodes, Charlotte didn't want to give a blowjob. That's and right. And then, like, she you did it loads in, like, the, like, next, in, like, the later series. Yes. So, like, I don't know. I like to think they just became more comfortable with themselves. Yeah. And less, like, afraid of being judged. Which actually brings us quite smoothly onto the topic of today's today's episode yeah because I feel like we watched two films which were like very very free and like people about people that who were very like unselfconscious
0: Mm -hmm. yeah they were very embodied
1: yes very embodied
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely sex and lucia and nine songs
1: yeah and neither of which I had seen Oh really? Actually there's so there's quite a few films in this series that I'll be watching for the first time. Okay. Um, actually choosing wasn't choosing films for this series so dark difficult. Like mm-hmm. I could think of like ten more that we didn't do that I really that I, I really like shit. But you can't you can't just make you can't make a series go on forever. So we had to just we had to just pick the ones that, that we could fit, basically. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah, the exactly. ones that we couldn't pick we can put in a different series
0: i'm sure or mm. we could you know if the if the response is massive if it's global yeah then we'll bring erotic cinema part two
1: 100 percent. maybe so, next maybe yeah. our next quiz should be like our next uh poll should just be like a selection of part twos yeah see that's which a people idea. would like to hear more of yeah if there's anything we didn't quite finish
0: yeah yeah for sure there's always unfinished business
1: <laughs> i don't know why that sounded like a, like the, the title of an erotic thriller why? <laughs> yeah,
0: directed by Adrian lynn of course.
1: Of course. Oh, I love Adrian lynn films. Me too. I'm obsessed. He's amazing. Yeah. Like,
0: he's a national treasure.
1: <laughs> he's a national treasure. It's so weird that he's British.
0: <laughs> oh, I just adore him, seriously. I mean, I didn't love Dark Water or whatever that was called.
1: Oh, I haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a flop.
1: Is it based on a Patricia Highsmith, or am I like completely making that? You up? You might
0: be right. You might I feel be right.
1: Like when I heard the plot of it, I was like, I feel like I've heard this on BBC Radio, on like Radio Four. <laughs> like, yeah, um, it's so, very hard boiled. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean,
0: maybe I'm just comparing it to his previous films, of course, Nine and a Half Weeks. Mm-hmm um i mean jacob's ladder that's also adrian lynn you know i also Uh, haven't seen jacob's ladder oh wow i know it's
1: one of your fave horror movies yeah
0: it's wonderful yeah
1: and he also directed lolita i love lolita me too like i think that's a because i loved the book as a i still love the book it's an amazing book same and i thought and i really like stanley kubrick's lolita for being a stanley kubrick film yeah but adrian lynn's lolita i think is like it's Lolita. superior yeah it's, it's really, Lolita it's yeah. really authentic and good
0: it is so compared it, to those films Dark Waters is, is not the vibe
1: yeah I think we're just I think we're like maybe settling into our new era of erotic thrillers mm-hmm. in like kind of I don't know we have we're, I feel like we're just in a bit of an awkward era filmmaking wise yeah I think something's we're having a bit of a strange time but yeah, I, I have- there's
0: some growing pains or like ha- a, an adjustment period to having to compete with TV mm-hmm. or streaming or post-COVID. I don't know what's going on, but I, I want to be out of this slump.
1: I know it's a real slump, but I believe that both the economy and mm-hmm. the film industry will recover <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Like I have faith.
0: Me too. I I, I really have Uh, unshakable faith in Mm. the cinematic experience so yeah no matter how many times I get disappointed I remain devoted
1: I will never stop going to the cinema never never Uh, where do you want to start would you like to bring us in with some theory well maybe a bit
0: of maybe a bit um, of theory yeah Uh, I found some good quotes actually I mean I've taught erotic cinema in the past. It's it was kind of interesting to think about like what is allowed, what in the world of like serious cinema what can be shown and the way that we might be tempted or compelled to live out like sinful or taboo or shameless desires in a film. And um, just things that are kind of off-limits, really, in ordinary or mundane life that we might take pleasure in seeing in a movie. Mm -hmm. There's a quote from Carl Jung where he said, The cinema makes it possible to experience without danger all the excitement, passion, and desire that must be repressed in ordinary, ordered life. Mm -hmm. Then I also found uh, something that Jeanne Moreau said. She said, um, most people don't have the energy for true passion, so they give up and go to the movies.
1: <gasps> that's a, that's amazing. That is also a t-shirt. I know. Uh, I mean, like, it makes me feel sad because um, I spend so much time at the movies. <laughs> but well, I
0: mean, but for us, it is an extension of our libido.
1: 100% like, you know, cinema taught me sex. Totally. There's a
0: reason why film stars are called, you know, sex gods and goddesses. Mm -hmm. Like, they're larger than life. They exhibit a super abundant physicality on the screen, this kind of riot of, like, flesh and fantasy. So, of course, it's very alluring and sexually charged. I think that it's better to think of it as an extension or expression of our libido than a replacement.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so, too.
0: It's somewhere where we go and get fuel.
1: It is where we go and get fuel. You know? Oh, 100%. Yeah,
0: definitely. This is why I always thought, you know, Freud... I mean, he was very reticent about taking an interest in the cinema. He was definitely approached by filmmakers in his time to consult on scripts and to, like, engage with the medium and stuff. But because he was so image-conscious... And he was worried about not being taken seriously by the medical community. He steered clear of the film weirdos of his day.
1: Oh, that's such a tragedy.
0: I know. He was a very conservative man in some respects. Mm. And he didn't want to... He already had such a tough time being taken seriously by his medical colleagues. And he was already shunned and ostracized for all the things that he was saying. That he worried that, you know, fraternizing with like the serialists and the cinephiles would further like alienate him. So unfortunately he just really kind of rejected it. But the thing is he was passionately invested in the role of sexuality, obviously in neurogenesis mm. and in the formation of personality and clinical practice. And he hoped that these ideas related to sex would disturb the sleep of the world. Disturb and
1: so, the sleep of the world.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what he right. said
1: quote i know yeah it's
0: beautiful so and in my mind i mean i'm sure in yours too because we're cinephiles sex and cinema go hand in hand and it's just too bad that he never really discovered that he didn't allow himself that discovery and um i think if he were Around today, we'd be dragging him to this you know to 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 our favorite cinemas all the time,
1: because <laughs> we'd be friends <laughs> naturally We <laughs> <laughs> was skipped a few steps in our in your fantasy there
0: <laughs> like, I love it when you, I love How did it. this come about yeah, yeah,
1: I love it when you like give yourself away in like um in like hypothetical so not, like in like hypothetical speech. Like, I remember, like, I remember talking to my, um to this guy that I liked, and mm-hmm. I was like, and then, like, we were talking about, like, there's something we did together or something, and I was like, you know, because my last boyfriend, and like, yeah. I, then I realized that I would, like, already imagine that he was my new boyfriend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God, you revealed your true desire, Sarah. I
1: did, I did, through language. And so did I. Yeah, <laughs> and, yet, and um, you did, too. Yeah. you're in, in, in your head you're on a date a movie date with Freud yeah. that I'm third wheeling on <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no Um, in my mind he is discovering the cinema through our eyes
1: because mm-hmm, he's a big fan of the podcast
0: because he's a big fan and you know he has already that kind of edgy pervy brain <laughs> so we get along you know what I'm saying yeah basically like the entirety of psychoanalysis hinges on being curious about sexuality, right? In psychoanalysis, eros, which sometimes is used alongside, you know, the term libido. It's, it it doesn't exclusively designate the sex drive. You know, eros is our life force, the will Mm. to live, procreation, productivity, and just building things. Right. And I think that, In the movies, especially in this session, that is very tangible. The characters are sort of exploring sexuality and embodying it and experimenting. Alongside that, there is like a deep curiosity and something that animates them and sets them into motion, you know, spurs them on Mm -hmm. in, in the action of the film. That is kind of in opposition to the death drive. And certainly Freud arrived at that conclusion. You know, in his early writings, erotic instincts were seen as being opposed by the conscious personality, the ego. But later he perceived Eros as being in conflict with the destructive forces of the death drive, Thanatos. So actually in our next episode, we're going to be covering Thanatos. Mm-hmm,
1: I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dark sex. Dark sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for Freud, you know, behavior of human beings in sexual matters is often a prototype for the whole of their other modes of reaction in life. Certainly Freudian psychoanalysts regard sexuality as the key to understanding the psyche. Freud said no, no one who disdains the key will ever be able to unlock the door. Ooh, Isn't that good?
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Oh, I love it. I mean, I fully agree. Obviously like, A lot of Jungians out there (laughs) reject this idea entirely. And they don't see sex as being so paramount. They're not like fundamentalists about sex. But I am. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, something that I wanted to ask you about, like throughout maybe the duration of this series, Mm -hmm. like post Me Too especially, sometimes I think about this, that like the sex... Sex positive or sex curious I suppose perspective I wonder if it's the kind of at risk of of, be, of being suppressed and eclipsed by the kind of public discussions about sexual ab- abuse and assault like post Weinstein
1: I mean, even like the term sex positive like gives me pause. I know um, that's why I
0: kind of corrected it as like sex curious yeah.
1: I think like Me Too is like symptomatic of it. I'm not totally sure okay. that it like caused it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not really totally sure what's caused it. There's something, something about- Something to bear in mind. Oh, yeah, there seems to be something really sad happening with sex. mm mm-hmm. um, I mean, we know there is. Like we know that people are having less of it. Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe it is caused by Me Too. I'm not totally sure. <sighs> Sorry, I'm like losing my way with this question.
0: No, no. I mean, I put you on the spot, but it's like-
1: it's not even. I, I'm. I don't even know if I have an answer
0: for it. I'm just. I'm just really wondering how people feel about depicting raunchy sex. Like, another point of debate is like, do gr- gratuitous sex scenes have value in their own right? Like, does it have to be adding something narratively?
1: I. I don't think so.
0: No, I agree.
1: I don't think so either. But like, I mean, I think like there. I think a sex scene can be good or bad. Just like. I mean, like, can be, I think a sex scene is, like, up for judgment, like, yeah. any other part of a film. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think some sex scenes, like, fail. And, like, like, Blue is the Warmest Color. Like, a sex scene that, like, has, that is, like, funny because it's so awkward and so strange. What's your favorite sex scene in a film?
0: Oh, my favorite sex scene.
1: Ooh, I have so
0: many. It's hard to pick just one. But I'd say... There's a few sex scenes in Nine and a Half Weeks that are like near the top of my list.
1: Ooh, okay, what about you? Um, let me think. I feel like I was very early on. I was very moved <laughs> by that one in the English Patient,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they are like at a Christmas party and they have sex, like, and her and Rafe and Christmas Scott Thomas, and Ray finds like go around the corner and have sex while everyone else is singing. Like a oh, Christmas yeah. Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like. I was, I was like really blown away by that as a teenager.
0: It caused a stir.
1: <laughs> yeah, it caused a stir. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just like, I don't. I just find these kinds of conversations about like what should and shouldn't be in film a bit kind of like redundant. Yeah, because you know, it's not really up to us. <laughs> it's up to the filmmakers. What, like, of should course. be in films. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I I haven't actually, like, really thought or articulating that because it's, like, one of those debates I kind of largely ignore. Yeah. Um, Because I just think, like, I think film's getting a bit, like, prescriptive. And although, like, I know that films have always been, like, shown to audiences and then taken mm-hmm. back and changed. Yeah. Um, But I feel like it's tough and then there's all this stuff about like intimacy coordinators oh yeah on set and I do know like I mean I know that like quite horrible things have happened to like particularly actresses on sets in sex scenes so I think that's like probably quite a good thing Mm -hmm. that you have like someone on on, like
0: a choreographer
1: you have a choreographer you like have like someone who's like sympathetic to you
0: Mm -hmm. in that
1: moment um I think is really important but yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll answer this question more as the Definitely. series goes on. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, it was just things to bear in mind, really. Oh,
1: you know yeah. what? Actually, I have been um, I've been working on a job where I have to like research a lot of erotic books, mm-hmm. um, which I can't reveal because it's like a company that's hasn't hasn't launched yet. But mm-hmm. like erotic books are like part part of it, and so I've been like researching like different authors. And I was looking at, I was looking at information about Delta of Venus, the um, Mm -hmm. Anais Nin's book of erotica that was like published uh, posthumously. Yes. Um, And like reading all about it and researching. And then someone compiled some of the Amazon reviews for it. And I was like, and I I don't know, like, yeah, it did sort of, I kind of like, I forget what it's like in a world where people are like, this shouldn't be in a book like yeah. it shouldn't exist and it really kind of sh- it kind of shocked me like you know because it's obviously like the first book in that has like incest like child rape necrophilia like all like everything but like awful in like one story and it's yeah. kind of um but then like so someone's amazon review was i bought this for my friend while she was having surgery <laughs> and that was the, oh, and okay. that was the review which I just like I just thought it was kind of genius like amongst yeah. all of the outrage um but oh, yeah I dig it um I guess like it's just like really surprising I don't know I just think things maybe go in waves yeah. like you know that Anais was writing this so long ago and now like people are like finding it and being like this is completely unacceptable and completely shocking and it's like really like it's so old and it's been yeah. here for such a long time and it's just like I don't know like there's, like that's the thing. About, that's the thing about sex positivity. It's like sex isn't always positive, but it doesn't mean like it should be abolished if it's not. I think like the negative parts. exactly. Well, exactly. Are just as interesting.
0: And just yeah, my that, that's my point too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what I would argue. I'm a, I'm very much a kind of anything goes kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also why I don't have at all a problem with um, pornography. Yeah, It doesn't bother me that like something could be borderline pornographic or that Mm -hmm. people are having unsimulated sex. Like who cares? Anyway, but yeah, like I'm sure we'll cover all of this stuff throughout the series. Um, But that's really all I had in terms of like theory to to start us off.
1: Well, let's talk about the movies. Which one would you like to start with? What
0: do you think?
1: Um, I kind of feel like well, I've got it in the order of Nine Songs and Sex and Lucia. Okay, let's but do that. I feel like you know they could like they're both pretty. Yeah, I feel like I could flip them. Yeah, but... no, that's fine. Okay, that's cool. What nine Songs were. Okay, well, I will synopsize. Okay. Um, nine Songs, two thousand and four, Michael Winterbottom. Okay. Um, funny name for a guy who directs Erotica. Um,
0: so... Yeah, and also <laughs> partly in what is it, the Antarctic?
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's a very brief synopsis for this. Um, Matt, a British climatologist, is what Wikipedia said he Mm -hmm. was, working in Antarctica, looks back on his relationship with Lisa, an American exchange student, a year of live music and passionate sex. That's it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And the title refers to the nine songs that play sort of by r- different rock bands that complement the story, right? Yeah.
1: And this was like, I, again, this is the first time I'd seen this film and mm-hmm. like what a journey back to my teenage years I know. of this music. Like I like... My boyfriend in high school bought that Franz Ferdinand album <laughs> and he lent it. To, he went on holiday with his family and he lent it to me to listen to while he was on holiday. And I listened to it Aww. every day. And his name was Michael. And on that album, there's a song called Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my God. I still love that band. Like a lot of like you know, the indie stuff is like a little bit embarrassing now, but I feel like Franz Ferdinand still sounds good.
0: Definitely. Big fan.
1: Yeah. I
0: saw this movie when it was first released.
1: Oh, did you see it at the cinema?
0: I did. I went to, I I saw it at the Prince Charles in London when I first arrived here.
1: Am I right in thinking it's like, was the only, it's the only film, like mainstream film that has, like British film that has unsimulated sex?
0: It's not the only one, but it's one of a few. Yeah. It's one of a very rare few. The two leads, Kieran O'Brien and Margot Stiley,
1: mm-hmm.
0: had sexual in- intercourse and performed oral sex, as well as there, there's a scene of ejaculation as well.
1: There is a scene of ejaculation, yeah. yeah. You know, that guy, like, as soon, almost <laughs> as soon as he come, came on, on screen, uh, mm-hmm. what's his name? Kieran O'Brien. O'Brien. I was like, I've seen that guy's penis. I've seen that guy's <laughs> penis before. Where wow. have I seen that guy's penis before? I know I have. Like it's something about like the little like back wiggle he does. Like it's something yeah. about like the way he stands. I was like, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. Where have I seen it? Have you ever if you ever seen that film, Virtual Sexuality? No. <gasps> it's an amazing, like really kind of forgotten film that oh I think I God. taped off the TV when I was a teenager. And it's got Um, what is the name of the guy? Rupert Perry Jones, Rupert Perry something. Okay. Um, who was like in Spooks and like, oh, he's like a British actor, like quite a good looking British actor. Anyway, it's about this girl who goes to a virtual reality conference, like a fair, basically, and she um, gets in like a machine where you like build, where you like design your perfect person like your perfect man or woman and she's like making this guy who is like because she's like really wants to like lose her virginity and she's a teenager and she can't like find anyone she wants to lose her virginity for and she and she um so she makes like this perfect dream guy and then like something happens like the the like little pod that she's in like explodes or like it gets hit like hit but like there's like some electricity charge i can't remember what happens and the guy comes to life and like and basically and like yeah, like her sort of wanders wanders around like um like London like naked and she's made this like beautiful blonde guy with like a huge penis. But this Kieran O'Brien plays like the guy that she's like the real life guy that she's like obsessed with and she wants to lose her virginity to. And there's a scene mm. where he's like in the locker like the men's locker rooms, like with no clothes on, just like bragging about all of his conquests and like just mm. wiggling his penis about. So he has, like, a history of getting his penis out on film. and Well, I, like, he's an actor with a very big range. He is, yeah, he does have a very big range. So, yeah, and I, like, I just, I recognised him immediately, and I haven't seen that <laughs> film for, like, 20 years. Like, I, I still totally, I can't totally remember all the details, but, like, I, that obviously made an impression on me because I was just, like, seeing that before I remember you. So, yeah. Wow. So, and I don't know where either of them went, either of these actors. Because they weren't really in a lot. Like, I think he's actually still acting. He's, like, much older now. But you don't really... I feel like I haven't seen her for a long time. I really like her. Me too. I She was really good. Yeah, she's
0: she's really got something.
1: She also... I uh, read a little bit about her and she said that her childhood was... Like, her parents were, like, very religious. Okay. And they that she got th- kicked out of her house for, like, essentially being sexual. <laughs> really? Yeah. So um, wow. that's, like, her backstory, the actress. Um, Which I think is really sad.
0: Yeah, it is. I can't imagine, you know, what it must have taken to come from that background to do then a movie like this. Mm -hmm. But I say more power to her. She did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's maybe what can, like, come from, like, really being really sort of shielded, oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. Oppressed. Yeah. Oppressed. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm living proof of that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess like what appealed to me in this movie, Nine Songs, is the fact that there was a decision made to show unsimulated sex. Mm-hmm. The graphicness of it was very much utilized as a metaphor for the couple's relationship. Oh, explain. Well, I mean... So the guy is a climatologist mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, like we see him on this like ice continent and it's apparently a place where no man had ever been until the 20th century. Well, that really made me think of Freud, actually, because Freud refers to feminine sexuality as as like this riddle and uncharted dark continent. Oh, That, like, it was really took psychoanalysis to really, like, get at in a very unapologetic way. So I saw some similarities there, but more to the point of the development of the relationship and the metaphors. Because he's sort of a researcher, isn't he? He's, like, researching landscapes Mm. and the formation of ice and what it contains (laughs) about the history of the place. And, like, her body is filmed, like a landscape
1: you're completely right and actually I thought his character was kind of curious yeah because I don't think you see men portrayed in this like he I wouldn't it's not like exactly that he was passive but just more that he was like what kind of seemed like an observer yeah he was an observer exactly and he wasn't like the he wasn't the aggressor or like really like the protagonist No. In a way, like, he seemed, like, he kind of seemed very introverted. But, like, yeah, you're totally right. It's because, like, his role was, like, that of, like, the scientist. Yeah. Like, performing experiments. Exactly.
0: Yeah, performing experiments and observing and asking questions and, like, just showing some curiosity. But what I kind of found interesting is that despite his curious scientific mind, he actually was intimidated by her Mm. facing up to her sexual power made him feel like maybe he wasn't always required
1: in the act well that's like made really explicit in one scene exactly
0: like when he is basically like discovering her masturbating Mm -hmm. it's very structured along the theoretical lines of the primal scene i think (laughs) he's just basically witnessing something that he just doesn't understand and he feel he feels this like to borrow the phrase from Freud you know the overwhelming unknown
1: yeah that's that's so interesting because that scene really caught my attention as well yeah like but just I mean I wasn't really totally sure why but I think like I just thought about it with like a tremendous amount of regret like because I was just like why do we never see a scene where a man uses a vibrator on a woman? Like, why is it ever, why is it only, like, man or vibrator?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great tagline for a movie. Man
1: or vibrator. Like, why not man and vibrator? Like,
0: it's not... (laughs) The more the merrier.
1: You know, that reminds me of, like, you know, in The Railway Children... (laughs) where they like they're like the mother's like we're poor now so it's jam or butter not jam and butter <laughs> and that's how that scene made me feel I was like jam or butter <laughs>
0: like, why not both, <laughs> why
1: not both?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: no you're right um that's such a beautiful like interpretation of it because I was I you know we when I when I thought about the you know the term eros and what you've taught me about that before mm. and you know like I have always thought about it kind of correct like also connected to like work like work yes. in like the most beautiful sense of the word work not like le- labor well like even labor sure but, like you know the and so and I was like but how does labor or work really come into nine songs mm. because like it seems like they don't really do any work until they separate but actually mm-hmm. you're totally right like like he's in sort of deep research mode which is like the most joyful kind of work absolutely Um, yeah um, but then like I guess like that kind of work has to like come to an end because like at a point you're sort of alienated yes Um, but maybe
0: it's because he hits his limit when he realizes that or when he he perceives rather that he is not required that's the interpretation that he reaches yeah that's not what she ever said now she's a bit of an enigma because like you know when they there's a scene early on when they're having sex she's like coffee and then she just like disengages and goes and makes coffee
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there's a lot of little scenes like that that kind of accumulate like when he invites her for thanksgiving like i mean he's not even american he's just trying to accommodate her yeah to observe thanksgiving and she's like very standoffish and she's a little bit withholding sometimes
1: she is but again like it's also like his interp- you know she also it's like his interpretation or like it's all from his point of view because she does say like you would hate it like yeah. you wouldn't like my friends it's like I, it's like the impression that I got and at the end he oh, says oh me too yeah at the end he says um she was glad to be going home Yes, and that's it's his like, interpretation. That's his interpretation as well, yeah.
0: Because I think he's reached this conclusion that her sexual power cannot encompass his participation. It's mm. so overwhelming. You know, it kind of like harks back to this Lacanian idea of like feminine jouissance and how the in the phallocentric order, the discourse that is organized around the phallus Within that discourse, the phallus must always rise and fall. There is no possibility for multiple orgasm. But mm-hmm. but the female anatomy flies in the face of that.
1: <laughs> the female anatomy yeah. flies in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be immature throughout this entire series.
0: You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. And so that's very intimidating. I guess maybe it's only threatening to the guys out there who are worried about being replaced. If there's full security in what you're contributing and what you're bringing to the table, then like, okay, put it this way. Like if you're going to a potluck dinner and you know that the feast is going to have like so many different people contributing and like there's going to be delicious food and it's just going to be like this overwhelming amount, like this just excess amount of food, right? hmm if you know that what you're putting down is like hot as fuck, like that people are gonna want to eat that, <laughs> you're not gonna care that there's also other nice platters there. I think that oftentimes that excess of feminine sexuality and what women are capable of within that kind of erotic power, it can feel like just this all you can eat buffet that is never ending mm-hmm. and Maybe for the uninitiated guy, or the guy who has something to prove, or who sees sex as some competitive event, it it causes him to have doubt in his in his meal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to with- withdraw and he has to retreat.
1: I mean, isn't it always like the nature of like romantic relationships, though, that you Mm -hmm. you your confidence needs to be like topped up
0: of course yeah 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 yeah. it's totally natural I think to want to have that boost
1: yeah because I feel like he's bringing I think he's bringing quite a lot to the meal of course he is I mean, not just in the fat sense that he's got a big penis, but like he's, he goes, you know, he goes down on her. He like he ties her up. He does, you know, like he like he does a lot. He like he works hard. He's, yeah, he yeah. does.
0: He's he 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 certainly. You know, he's got a lot to recommend him. Yeah, but the thing is, like, okay, for example, you know, when they go to the to that whatever that is, is that a strip club or oh, yeah. what's going on? You know.
1: Yeah, and he like kind of. It seems like he storms out.
0: Yeah, he storms out. Yeah, he feels neglected. Yeah, he feels like the the dancer is engaging more with her, and she's into it. And we know she's into it because the the montage or the edit shows that later she's masturbating and thinking about that girl. Mm, Yeah, and he he doesn't look that happy about it. Yeah, you're right. I think he's a good guy. Like, I really think he's a good guy. And maybe she could have done more to, to like, integrate him as well. My only point is that within the phallocentric order, (laughs) (laughs) it's actually quite to be expected that a confrontation with feminine jouissance can feel like a threat. Yeah. That's all.
1: Yeah, you're totally right. You know? You're totally right. (laughs) oh i love that interpretation it's really nice (laughs) she is like she's like the personification of feminine jouissance
0: totally she is and she's also a mystery that's the thing about the jouissance is that is a total enigma Mm. men go crazy trying to figure out what women want and there's a scene where she's just lying in bed crying
1: Mm. and
0: she doesn't say what's wrong and I thought of you actually, because um, like the female tears thing. Oh, okay. I was like, so I have spent all day in bed crying. No, <laughs> no I'm talking about your Instagram. Yeah,
1: I know. I did think and there's actually a lot of female tears in both of these films. Yes. Um, it was very good for that. I might start that Instagram up again. I've kind of got to do over it. I, I mean, exist.
0: the thing is, in this film, in Nine Songs, when she's shown crying, it's very interesting that there that even that is eroticized because they're both naked. Presumably they were going to have sex or they've just had it. Mm. But she's, she's like really upset and there's tears like sort of pooling on her face. Mm. And I thought it looked very sexual. It did. You know, like the, the, the I, I've i always thought that like the eye is, looks very much like a vulva anyway, but <laughs> The fact that you know it is eroticized, the tears are eroticized.
1: In it that totally situation. is like that's know what why I mean? women are always crying important, right? Like always,
0: like and there's always like tears streaking down yeah. and like you know mascara getting smeared on your face,
1: <laughs> which is so weird because like men like claim to be so fucking like suspicious of female tears and then like all of the all of the men in pornography are, like constantly trying to provoke them it's like why like you want to you want to be scared <laughs> like it's so weird but don't, don't you know. think
0: that it's a, a reactive response um, in what way well it's you know it's it's a, it's like a retaliation against the, sexu- the female sexual power oh
1: yeah that's so true
0: yeah oh
1: my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, so
0: what they're doing is that they're saying I can't tally up my orgasms as high as you in one <laughs> sitting. But I I'll find another way. Yeah. You know, the thing that's actually bothering me, it hasn't it, it's not bothering you. You're happy.
1: Wow, that's so interesting. Mm. My god. I keep like not really believing that men can't have multiple orgasms. <laughs> I'm just, I'm always like, have you tried? <laughs> like, I'm so,
0: it's like an urban myth.
1: Yeah. I'm just like, why don't you just keep going? <laughs> like, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess I'll be. I mean, it's, it's kind like, of unbelievable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm just like, it's, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> it doesn't, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, so I guess... That's kind of how I see this movie, really. He definitely has a desire, you know, to to understand her. But Mm -hmm. I think even in his own work, he's never going to figure out all of Antarctica, you know?
1: No, that's true.
0: Much as he might want to. And in that regard, the male identified person will never understand a woman's anatomy Mm -hmm. or her desire. However much she provokes him and challenges him and like fascinates him and captivates him.
1: Wow. <laughs> um, well, I really enjoyed it. I yeah. actually like part of me. I've, I don't think I've ever watched it because I thought it would be boring. Like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was like really endearing and like moving. I loved it. Yeah, I'm really glad I watched it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's good.
1: Um, should we move on to Sex and Lucia? Yes. So, two thousand and one, Julio. Would would we say Julio, mm. Medem Mm -hmm. um okay so after a fight lucia believes that her writer boyfriend has committed suicide she flees to the mysterious island the two had planned to go to together staying at the guest house of a woman named elena as the story jumps between the past and the present the characters connections are gradually revealed
0: Mm. so there's some connection between the characters in the film but also the characters in lorenzo's novel
1: yeah which is sometimes hard to yeah, differentiate.
0: It all blurs together. It does
1: all blur together. It's quite. It was. I did not think this film would go where it went.
0: No, I was very
1: surprised. I just thought it was going to be like a sort of meandering. Like I thought it was going to be like a little holiday romance film or something. <laughs> like oh, like a journey film. Yeah, that's what I thought it would be like a journey film, mm. um, and it was just completely different. And I was quite shocked with some yeah. of the things that happened in this film.
0: I mean, I have to say that this was my my favorite footage that I included in in the trailer
1: oh yeah amazing
0: the polaroid scene
1: scene. (laughs) I like smiled so much when she does her little like striptease yeah so so cute and like so cute and the scene where she just like declares her love to him even though that he's like a stranger yeah it's just amazing like she's such an amazing character
0: she is she's an erotic force to be reckoned with she
1: really is She really is a neurotic force to be reckoned with. Is she the Mm -hmm. jouissance in this film? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I think that maybe a combination of her and um, the woman from his past, Elena. Yeah. Some kind of like combination of the two women that he holds in his mind as being the archetypal woman. Yeah. Like they move in together quite quickly and they're happy. And Lucia, she knows she wants to know about his best sexual experience, mm. and this, and there's some. It seems to be something about the past that haunts both of them, something like unresolved that remains like a mystery. Mm. And I think she un- unconsciously identifies with his sexual fantasy. So maybe that's why, you know, she seeks out this island and the elusive Elena to understand and embody the idealized fantasy secretly desired by her lover.
1: Mm, that's interesting. Um, the island is such a strange yeah. thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I couldn't quite figure out what it was supposed to be because it was like, it didn't feel like a real place. No. Um, like, she felt like she like, arrives, like immediately it like, falls down a hole yeah like out through the bottom (laughs) again and it's so weird it's so weird I was like oh god what's happened here it's really like the way it's kind of constructed is really strange and interesting Um, yeah it's
0: a topographically surreal place
1: yeah and like she says like that other man that says like swimming under the island because it's not attached (laughs) to anything (laughs) um so yeah it's not like attached to any yeah it doesn't have any I don't know it was just very strange It's like a floating island Mm. Um, but yeah, I hadn't quite worked out what it means.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're correct to say that it needs to be read as an unreal place. Mm-hmm. Like some weird, like dreamlike location in the mind. Yeah. That she visits because she loves Lorenzo. Yeah. You know, it's she's doing it out of love. It's pure eros in that regard. Like she is totally motivated by something that she believes will make him happy.
1: Yeah. I think maybe she actually kind of takes the Kieran O'Brien place mm. in this film because she's mm-hmm. kind of like a researcher or like an invest. She's maybe more like exactly. an investigator mm-hmm. because she like, you know, she like reads everything he writes um, like while he's still writing it. And then she like comes to this like place from his past. Mm-hmm. Um and it's kind of yeah, like so maybe it's just like a journey into like his mind or something. Yeah. Um, where he should because like and because it's weird that like, yes, all of the people that he's like are like occupying his mind are like there on the island. So mm. yeah. So I No, you're
0: you're absolutely right. She's she's the one taking the more proactive role mm. in terms of investigating, resolving what she sees as a mystery
1: and she's brave cuz it's a dark mystery. It is. You don't get the idea that um the woman in nine songs has quite such a dark inside. No, as
0: this guy does. <laughs> this like, guy does.
1: That's real love when you get like confronted with all of that darkness.
0: Yeah. You still she really say. goes on a sexual odyssey for him.
1: She really does. Like, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you think that it's possible that this is all also part of the process of him writing?
1: Possibly. Mm. I don't know, like there's something about the fact that she's like his biggest fan. hmm Um, and that she just appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um like completely committed to him, yeah. <laughs> that like is you know that maybe she is like some just some kind of creative device or like some yeah. tool of like creativity,
0: mm-hmm. um, like a kind of intrinsic motivation.
1: Yeah, and then she kind of like lets him down by not yeah. liking one of his, uh, one of, like his newest book. Yeah, um, and he so he like neglects her. Mm-hmm. which is kind of what you do sometimes to your, like, craft. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe, like, maybe it's all, this is, like, all work and no sex. <laughs> like. This, but oh. then
0: again, but that's also erotic, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing about people who are so passionate about their work is that they are channeling the sex that they might be having if they weren't working so late. They're just like transferring it into their work. So it becomes eroticized. Yeah. And then it is then represented in their internal life as a a sexy woman who's insatiable.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. Hmm. Do you think that's possible to channel one type of urge into another?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like I can't do it, but I would like to be able to. I don't know, maybe it just happens unconsciously without you knowing it. I'm not sure. I think it's like,
0: yeah, I think that you might be doing it unconsciously.
1: Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I think you might be doing it wrong.
0: (laughs) 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 I kept paying attention. And I realized that if I was really turned on, I could completely drive that into my work. And I produced good work as a result.
1: Like some of the best
0: work I ever did. And then other times I've looked back and I, and I realized that if I wasn't in the same mindset, that my work suffered.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, I have the opposite thing. Hmm. um like which is I think I'm just like a bad concentration or something but mm-hmm. if I'm like really intellectually stimulated yes I like get uncontrollably turned on and I like more <laughs> so than if like I'm trying to get turned on in a situation where it's appropriate to okay. get turned on mm-hmm. so I don't know it's like you're how-
0: a sapiosexual
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> like so I mean just like if you see me in a library. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> well, Sarah, now that you've said it,
0: the listeners are going to be like at every library yeah. in London looking for you.
1: Oh my god! Or <laughs> well, like, like I don't know, like a symposium or something like that. Like it's really, it's really weird. It's like a really strange thing. Yeah. It's like some kind of cut. Like it's like when I like have enough ideas into my mm-hmm. in my head and I've, like, learned enough, then I, like, immediately have to, like, go and find someone to have sex with. Yeah. Um, but, like, maybe I should, like, not and just focus on the work, and the work could be really good. I'm not no sure. No way. <laughs> don't deny yourself. Exactly. But it's just, I don't know. So I know that if, like, I don't know, if my libido is a bit low, or I haven't had sex for a while, I just need to go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh okay so that's really interesting i think that like going back to sex Sex i think that's a really interesting like theory Mm. um that it's really one man's creative process yeah does that and the
0: seductive element of that
1: yeah the seductive element like the fantasy of like the fantasy of like the fan or the exactly like the audience the fantasy of the audience
0: Identifying with what the audience wants, yeah, maybe indulging in the appetite of the people who follow his work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that becomes like a love affair, and then it's represented erotically on the screen,
1: and then like the audience suddenly becomes like a problem,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then like yeah, these as they want to do, <laughs> as they want to do, you guys. <laughs> um that's really interesting what do you think like in that sort of context like the like fantasy of like fathering a child I thought that was sort of something quite interesting about him that he didn't like want to he like knew that this woman was looking for him knew that he had a child and didn't really want to like fully engage yeah that was quite a writerly thing yes to do like maybe like all of that all of that sort of side of it is kind of about like cult, like the sort of coldness of being a writer, mm-hmm. like, or like the suspicion that maybe writers have of themselves that they're like not very good people.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: Um, Because of the need to sort of sit back and watch and take, like sort of take from people and from life. Yeah. So maybe that's the kind of like that, all of that sort of, terrible stuff that happens with his with his little girl. Yeah. Um, and like the really sort of like the sort of darkness that like surrounds her, like the nanny whose mother is like a porn actress mm. who like masturbates to her mum's porn films <laughs> and like wants to seduce her stepfather. And all of that stuff. Like, oh my maybe, god, like, that stuff is crazy. That stuff is so crazy. Like I was really, I I was like, whoa, people really like full body masturbate in this film, like full yeah. room. <laughs> like I was just like, I can never imagine. Like they don't even live <laughs> alone. Like I was like, I can never imagine utilizing so much space, <laughs> like, <laughs> in the act of masturbation as the people in this film do. They like oh, really yeah. spread out. They're spreading <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, amazing, but. Yeah, so maybe if like if we're kind of going with this theory, I think like that sort of moment is maybe that sort of that like feel that that worry of like the artist's like in a psychopath, mm-hmm. or like the artist like in a darkness, like everywhere you know so, like they've you know everything's kind of like perverted and like yeah, and dark seedy. Violent, and seedy really seedy. But
0: also, is it possible that? So the idea that he's conceived a child,
1: mm.
0: right? And that a whole human being has been born separate from him, that he conceived her. Mm. Isn't, isn't that also like an agonizing preoccupation for writers that their ideas are out there engendering things and having this kind of influence and becoming whole concepts manifested and realized?
1: Oh, that's so interesting.
0: You know, and that there's a certain unsettling quality to that because this has all happened with kind of your yes, your initial participation in in conceiving, but then something else has grown out of it that had nothing to do with you.
1: (laughs) That's so true, and I think don't you find that when you create something, Mm. it leaves you like forget you forget it, and it like leaves your head. Yeah. When something's yeah. finished. Like you you feel yeah. like alienated from it almost. Yeah. And that's like maybe replicated in the experience of him just suddenly finding out he has a child that he doesn't exactly. know about. Um and I wonder also if the the way that like the dog like tears this kid, this child apart, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. This dog that's like a protective, that's supposed to be like a guard dog. Um mm-hmm. if that like replicates how he feels when he gives the second manuscript to Lucia and she doesn't like it. <laughs> Wow!
0: Yeah, that's so true. I, d-
1: I know maybe like the whole film is like just basically about a guy whose girlfriend didn't like his book. <laughs> like <laughs> everything that happens is just like a response to that, or like a metaphor for that. Like, oh my, how god. much to hurt his feelings when she was like, well, mm, "That's not really my thing."
0: <laughs> Th- this is the life of an overthinker. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like, oh my god. I love that. I know. So it's actually like he, it's actually about a guy who tries to kill himself because his girlfriend doesn't like his book. <laughs> oh my god. It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep. Yeah.
0: That's a very likely theory <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, I really like what we've made of these films. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed this. And I think that we have proved that gratuitous <laughs> sex in films. Uh-huh. Uh, is all is never just gratuitous sex yes yes no matter how much it seems like it is i mean mm. look at how much we've associated. exactly
0: you know and it was just people fucking
1: exactly <laughs> and that's the thing people fucking in life meaningless people fucking in the cinema <laughs> everything
0: everything our religion
1: our religion yes <laughs> oh my god we talked for such a long time (laughs) oh my god i've had such a blast me too i'm really looking forward to next week what are we doing so we're gonna tackle the next
0: topic is thanatos Mm -hmm. the death drive and we've got a couple of heavy hitters (laughs) uh damage by louis mal and shame by steve McQueen. oh
1: i love damage Love yeah. it, and I haven't seen Shame yet. This is going to be a first-time watch for me. No kidding. No, I haven't. Just like I've, I've always just felt like I can't bear it, but I'm gonna do it. I'm oh my god! Yeah, it's
0: really good.
1: Just like Stephen Queen makes just such bummer films. <laughs> like, I know, um, I know, but no, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah,
0: no, it is really worth seeing. I yeah. mean, Michael Fassbender. Wow. Yeah.
1: I know. I'm very excited.
0: I actually think we need to bring this film back if we ever do mental illness again and we just focus on the sister.
1: Okay. Cool. But I won't nice. say why.
0: I'm gonna leave that as a kind of unspoiled idea for you to discover in the in, in the movie. Okay. Because I feel like it's two movies.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, truly.
1: Um, I wanna take a moment um, to mm-hmm. say thank you to Ian Healy, who recently gave us a donation. Ah uh um to kick that's off lovely. our series it's very very nice oh that's so sweet thank you so much ian really sweet and also to karl murta who continues to donate every month for a long time oh that's lovely yeah, really nice um and it does help us out like we have to pay you know it helps us pay for the website that we have to pay for every year mm-hmm. um and it also just makes us feel really appreciated so we really do appreciate it when you guys donate um, yeah
0: we really do appreciate it and we're honoured that you're listeners and that you engage with us. We love it when you also leave ratings and reviews yes, on please. iTunes. It helps other people find the pod and grow our community. Yeah, we're ever so thankful.
1: Yeah, Thank you, guys. And we hope that you enjoy this series. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. Till next time. Bye. Bye.